Well, good morning again. And the scripture focus today will be in Habakkuk. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. It's very near the end of the Old Testament, just before, now I can't remember who precedes or succeeds him, but you'll work it out. You'll figure it out in a minute. Got a couple of things you need to say. Uh, while you've still got your hymnals in front of you, I can't help but go by. Uh, Shirley puts these hymns together on her own. They, she knows what my sermon title is, and that's about all she knows. Uh, I give her the scripture reference so it can go in the bulletin. I mean, you can see the, the insets in the bulletin, and you'd want to do that. <clears throat> but I can't get over how closely these songs illustrate to a great degree what we're going to do today. Uh, and if you look at Lead On, O King Eternal, and that's the first song we sang today, and here again, and I love the fact that we're using hymnals again, uh, there's a scripture reference. Look at this. Isaiah chapter 48. I am the Lord who directs you in the way you should go. Lead on, O King Eternal. Isn't that a marvelous, marvelous thought? And here again, another commercial for hymns. Because hymns are taken from where? Directly from here. I am thine, O Lord. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. I am thine, O Lord. There we go. And then the one we just sang, open my heart. Uh, eyes, well, heart too. <laughs> but thank you. There is my help meet again. Psalm... <laughs> 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things. And I look down at that chorus that we sang three times. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes. Illumine me. Spirit divine. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father. The words I just spoke, the words we just sang, is the desire of our heart. Open our minds and hearts and eyes that we might see exactly what you would have for us uh, this day and every day as we seek your holy face. We thank you and praise you now as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Today... We're going to continue in this series that we've entitled uh, Losing Fear, or Lo Losing Fear, uh, over 350 times in the scripture. It says, fear not. And, and of course, the reason for the fear not is what? Because I am the Lord, saith the Lord. I am the Lord, saith the Lord. We've talked about the fear of failure. We talked about the fear of rejection. We talked about the fear of not having enough last week and got a little personal. Today, I'm even going to get it more personal because today we're going to talk about the fear of losing control. The fear of losing control. Think about that for a minute. Think about that in regards to you. Don't think about it in regards to someone else. Don't point your finger that way. Point it this way. And that doesn't necessarily mean all of you pointing at me either. So... Losing control. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, the fear of losing control. And we want to, and we want to get away from that. I'm going backwards the wrong way. 
so let me share a couple of things before we actually get into some remedies. Uh, <clears throat> I want you to think in terms of your life as like a yard. Can you do that? The yard of life. So you look out at your yard, front yard, backyard, side yard, whatever it might be. And that's your life. And what have we got out there? We've got commitments out there in my yard of life. I have relationships. I have responsibilities. I've got things to do. I've got problems. And every single one of those things that I just listed are opportunities. Not really a good way to put this, but they are opportunities for what? For losing control. And we've probably, probably, every single one of us has lost control in every single one of those areas, and I certainly didn't cover them all, uh, that I just mentioned. Have we lost control when it comes to commitments? Have we lost control in relationships, be it with family or friends or acquaintances or work, uh, work, uh, 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 co-workers. co-workers, thank you. Uh, have we lost control in respect to responsibilities that we have, things that we need to do, problems that occur, and on and on and on it goes. Has that happened to us? How often does it happen to us? Do we keep score? Probably not. I would hope not because that creates another problem, and we'll talk about that another time. But there it is, that yard of life. We have all of those things going on around us all of the time, And we're always thinking in terms of fear. Now, it goes back to something that we've talked about before, and it has to do with our wanting to be accepted. Uh, We lose control sometimes because we're afraid of being accepted, and we react in a way uh, that we shouldn't react. Out of control. But you know, as long as you breathe, there's going to be times when you're going to be out of control. There's going to be times when you're out of control just as long as you believe, uh, believe, uh, breathe. I'll say the word again. That's using your lungs, breathe. I'll get the word out. But there's life management. I've divided them into three little categories, and we'll talk about them. I'm going to use myself as an example for all three, uh, and maybe you can too. Uh, that first one is the control freak. I am a control freak. I am very definitely a c- control freak. I believe in a place for everything. I believe that everything should be in a proper order. And I work very hard at accomplishing that. For example, if you come into my house and come go to look in my closet, you'll see that all of my suits and all of my shirts are all hung in exactly the same way. All of the buttons are the open neck of the collar, all face to the left. Shirts, suits, uh, short sleeve shirts that some of you have never seen me wear, etc., etc. All of those are lined up. If you were to open the top drawer of my dresser and you saw some of my intimate articles, like my Uh, undershirts and so on, you'd see them all folded in exactly a certain way and stacked very, very carefully. My uh, undershorts are in this pile and my t-shirts are there, and there it is. You want to take a picture. 
It would look could look like a footlocker. I'd pass inspection, and that's probably where a lot of this comes from. If you open the second drawer, and that's my sock drawer, every pair of socks that I own are folded in half, not rolled up in a ball. That's disgusting. <clears throat> All folded in half, and the heels are to the right, sticking up, and then they're lined up by color, and I only use two colors of socks. They're either black socks or they're white socks, and they're all lined up, and when I wash them and return them, I rotate them. I put the clean, washed ones all the way in the back so that I get even where... <clears throat> are you with me? Disgusting, isn't it? Yeah, there you are. And almost 50 years, and she's... She doesn't look in my drawers, and she doesn't say anything about it anymore. Nothing. Nothing. Anyway, so there it is. Place for everything. Everything in its place. But you go absolutely crazy with that. There are times in which that breaks down. Not the things that I mentioned. Those are areas I've got got that pretty well locked in. But there are areas in my life uh, where if you walk out into my garage and you see that half of the garage is open so that Shirley can park her car, the other half of the garage, and we kind of talked about that a little bit when I talked about do we have enough and asked you, does anybody here have an empty closet in your house, completely empty, devoid of every? No, of course not. Nobody, nobody smiled and said, yeah, I do. Now, everybody has got a jam-packed situation. Some of you have multiple dwellings, and you jam them all up. <laughs> Two dwellings, maybe three dwellings. You know, and I don't want to go on, but there you are. And so then you become what we call the juggler. That's the second person, the juggler. The juggler wants to be a control freak. Oh, how I wish I was a control freak, and everything could be in its proper place, and everything would be just absolutely perfect. And when it is... Then there will be peace in the valley. There will be peace in the Coachella Valley because everything is in its place. But that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And so we balance things. We do things in a certain way so that everyone that looks on will think that I'm a control freak or that I've got everything under control but I don't really. Let's go back to that yard idea. A control freak every single week cuts their lawn. None of us cut our lawn. We, every single one of us probably has a gardener except for about two people in the room. And uh, so it's my lawn gets cut every week. Well, when I was cutting my lawn, and there was a time when I did, uh, it got cut on a certain day every week. And when I got out of balance, it got skipped and the poor yard looked like it. And the entire neighborhood came by and said, oh, he skipped it again. Look at this mess. He's bringing down the neighborhood. Okay, but a juggler, what a juggler will do, well, then he'll see to it that the yard gets cut, but the yard might not get cut till midnight. And then what's that motor running in the neighborhood at midnight as I'm running my my power mower? over my grass, a juggler. 
trying to look like a control freak is so hiding something. That would be like taking my socks, the ones that I roll up in a ball, and hiding them in another drawer somewhere or throw them in a box and put them out in that garage that we've talked about before. And then there's the third life management, and that's the the binge person or the purging person. The person that's just an absolute chaos and then for whatever reason decides, i got to fix this. And so they go through and they fix everything. They go through the house and they clean the entire house top to bottom. All the socks get lined up again, all et cetera. Everything that I talked about is all perfect. The black suit has is in a black bag to keep the dust off of it. The, the shirts are all, I have color-coded, I didn't tell you this, I have color-coded hangers. And this hanger, the hanger for this shirt is what color? Think about it. Think about it. Very good. You all got it. I have a yellow hanger for this shirt. I have blue hangers for blue shirts. I have black and so on. Okay. Well, a binge person, it just didn't get happened. It didn't happen today. Well, we've got to fix that. And so we do. We fix all of those things and we make everything perfect again. Only, oh my golly, I'm sure glad that that's done. And so then for the next two weeks, the place turns into the the trash heap that it was before. Uh, do you know that when I go to my closet and for some reason I've hung a shirt up incorrectly because I was in a hurry to go somewhere or I put my, my suit in the wrong place, I go out into my, to my closet and I look at that and it, how could that have happened? How? Who did that? Shirley, you've been fooling around with my closet. No, we know better than that. She knows better than that. And so there we are. So there's the control freak. There's the juggler and there's the binge person. And guess what? I'm every single one of those persons. Are you? Are you? There's a myth. There's a myth. It's possible for you to control everything in your life. It's a myth. Give it up. You cannot. It's possible for you to control everything in your life. For example, you can't control the weather, but the weather can control you. Think about Florida and South Carolina and Georgia and North Carolina and Think about Texas and the rains, and and that's all weather-related, isn't it? And what happens if you believe that myth? It leads to the fear of losing control. There it is. It leads to the fear of losing control. And then you do, and then what do you do? Then you flip out. That's a good technical term. Not theological, but technical. You flip out. But what's the secret? I'll think of it in a minute. I actually have it written down in my notes. But God is in control. Not you. God is in control. Not you. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Now we've talked about this before. And we've talked about uh, priorities in our life. And we should make 
uh, God number one in our life, if he is actually king of kings and lord of lords, that he's on top of the pile, uh, that's the way it should be, and everything else is secondary uh, to our relationship to him. And this is what Habakkuk says. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fall, and the field shall lead no, yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. That's called famine. Think about Old Testament and think about what I just talked about. That's talking about Stater Brothers has no food on the shelves. Trucks aren't running. You know, we, we could be isolated very quickly. If Highway 10 closes, what are we going to do? Go to Blythe. Whew, that's a scary thought all unto itself. Okay, but that's, there's the verse. The fig tree won't blossom. The fruit, no nothing on the vines. So there's no grapes. There's no olives. The fields will yield no meat. The flock is cut off from the fold, so therefore they die off, and there shall be no herd in the fold. There's absolutely no means by which to sustain my life. Verse 18. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon high places. To the chief singer... On my stringed instruments. The Lord is my strength. Now isn't that another way of saying that the Lord is number one, number one priority? Well, what, what's the definition for God? We'd say God is love. God is love. And that word love that is used there in the Greek is the agape love. It's the love that God showed to you and to me, for God so loved, also agape the world, that he gave what? He gave his son. And we're not going to do that salvation message at this point, but that's the idea. God is love. And if God is love, then God is going to provide. I love the story of manna. Uh, And sometimes we really miss the story of manna. Because manna talks about God being in control in our humankind succumbing to the control of God. Because God said there's going to be manna. Every day I'll make it rain, whatever manna means, what is it? Uh, So I won't even try to describe what it is. Uh, It's something that's nourishing, that takes this the place of anything else that you're eating because there's none of that around. That's the best we can do with that, right? So every day there'll be just, you can gather as much as you need and don't save any for tomorrow because it'll spoil. And of course there were those that had to figure that out for themselves. And woo, the smell that was caused by their saving that manna into the next day. No leftovers. You know, what? hey, there's heaven on earth right there. No leftovers. Every day it's a fresh meal. Same meal every day, but no leftovers. That's pretty good. So, but every day, except on the Sabbath, of course, then you may save for two because there's one day in which you're not going to gather and it won't be provided. There was no manna given on that day. 
because you were supposed to have provided for yourself because I suggested that you do so uh, the day before. That's God in control. That's God showing you the way. That's God showing his infinite love and mercy for you. And it does talk about his sovereignty. We talk about God is sovereign. What does sovereign mean? Sovereign means kingship. It means everything. It means power. It means wisdom. It means authority. All of those things are wrapped up in that word sovereign. And even the phrases that we use. King of kings. And we talked about that before. King of kings. The raw definition of the word is all of the kings are sitting before you. And I'm reigning above you. Saith the Lord. In our Bible studies today we were talking about. Genesis and Exodus and and so on. That's the focus of our Bible study today. And we talked about God being in control. God's in control. And God is making an attempt over and over and over again to make his presence known to you. Making his presence known to you. And known to the world. And what happens? Because as you, as the people Israel, think about this now as a thread of what the Bible is all about. And that's God making his presence known to you. Is as God dealt with Egypt and God dealt with the people Israel and did the ten plagues and parted the Red Sea and decimated the army of the Egyptians. And then... Some 40 years later, because they're going to wander for 40 years, 40 years later when Joshua goes into Jericho and finds Rahab, and Rahab says, hey, we know about your God. We know about your God, and I'm not going to cross him. That's my paraphrase of what Rachel had to say, or Rahab had to say. We know about your God. People know about our God. How? Through you. Through the things that God reveals to you. Let me share with you. That's what a witness is. Uh, That's what testimony is for. Let me share with you what God has done in my life. In order, and he promises he can do the very same thing in yours. God loves you. And has a plan for your life. That's the simple opening message as you share your life with another. Let me share with you what God has done in my life. I know a lot about my life. I know a tiny bit about everybody in this room. But I know a lot about my life. Let me share with you what happened in my life. I even told you about my underwear drawer. Ooh, what a lot of stuff that I've done today. Okay, but you see, he's got, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. He's sovereign over the nations. Daniel chapter 4, uh, verse 17 says, This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the uh, demand by the word of the Holy One, to the intent that the living may know the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and give it to whomever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. Think about some of our leaders. 
I'm not going to name names. This isn't a political message. But you can figure out one or two or three, maybe four. Anyway, there it is. God is the ruler of nations. He's the ruler of people. Proverbs chapter 19, uh, verses 19 through 21. This is good stuff. Here we go. 19 through 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. That shall stand. That's verse 21. Verse 21 says it all. That shall stand. The counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Now think about that. Think about that in all of history, going back, all the way back as far as you can go in your mind. Think about it as far as you can go back in your own personal life. That's what we're talking about here. That's what it's all about. Chapter uh, 19, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart, nevertheless the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Now he's the God, he's sovereign over circumstances. Sovereign over circumstances. And here we have uh, Proverbs chapter 16. So here we go again. Chapter 16, verse 4. It says, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. The Lord hath made all things. He's the God over nature. Nature. Revelation chapter uh, 4, verse uh, 11 says this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure they are and were created. Think about that. Even our New Testament shouts to that, doesn't it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things that were made were made by Him. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we got the rest of chapter 1, and he delineates every the moon, stars, here it goes, water, separation, animals, creepy, did he create the ants? Uh, well, yeah, he did, and then we still can't figure out why, but there, and so on. There it is. He created all things. And then, we have the fact that he create that he is the supreme person over the spiritual things. He has spiritual power. Ephesians uh, chapter one verses nineteen uh, through twenty two says this. Nineteen. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in the world, but also of that which is to come. Verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet. Now there is a good definition for king of kings. Right there, that sentence. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Let me give you that phrase again. He hath put all things under his feet and gave to him to be the head over all things. All things, the scripture says. 
to the church, which is his body and fullness of him that filleth in all. That's verse 23 in the end of the chapter. All things. That's God. That's the sovereign God uh, that we worship. Who's got power? Who's got control? Who's in control of all things? You? Oh, you got that one figured out already, don't you? No, of course not. So why are we wrestling with it? Why are we allowing ourselves to be belabored by it? How much is God in control? There are those that kind of think that God is like is like an alarm clock. And he set a clock and he put this plan in place and then he went to, to Tahiti on vacation and hasn't been back. Every once in a while, he turns on his super television set and checks out and see how things are going over here and over there. And he may, might touch something here and touch something there. But he's just waiting for everything to happen. But that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Every single one of you in the room that has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ has had a personal touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like the sparrow and the hare. Matthew chapter 10. And you, uh, and you know about that. Uh, where is it? I lost it. Here it is. Matthew chapter 10. Verses 29. And you know the verses. Uh, verses uh, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father knowing. But the very hair of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. He knew about you before your father or your grandfather thought about you. Think about it. Think about it. He knew, knows you. He knows you. He can know, he knows your name. He knows you. He knows me. Power. Power. That's the God that's in control. But, you know, the sister to Controlling is the compulsion to control. Because in spite of ourselves, in spite of everything that I've said so far, and wagging my finger and saying, shame on you for trying to control your own life, there's a compulsion. There it is. There's a compulsion to control. When something, what am I going to do about that? How long does it take you to get to your knees and pray? about that usually it's after you've done everything that quote you can do and fail that you finally oh god i just can't do this well we could have started right there if we just started right there at the beginning things have been a lot better i'm not capable of doing this i can only do things through you should be our response. Compulsion to control. The sister to the fear of losing control. How do you respond? You cooperate with sovereignty. You cooperate with sovereignty. God is in control. Always working. Always working. 
But the paradox is that there's we are moral free agents. We can make choices. And let's just get real basic and go all the way back to Genesis, which I already mentioned, and Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, everything in the garden. They got the whole bit. Do anything you want to do. No problems at all. The only thing is stay away from the tree. Well, don't eat of the tree is scripture. We don't want to bend it. Uh, And what did they do? They physically chose to disobey God. And what's the sin? The sin is disobedience and so on and so on. And here's what was lost. And we learned this in our in our uh, Bible study uh, today, even even last week. Uh, what we what we have is we've lost the presence of God, because as soon as they had sinned, they hid themselves from God. They hid themselves from God, and God was not in their presence anymore. They had a continual presence with God. They had a complete, complete, total audience with God, which is what you have. You have that now. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have a a 24-hour-a-day, complete, personal audience with God, the Father, the Creator, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and on and on and on. You have that. Adam and Eve had it, and they lost it. That's what sin does. Sin separates you from God. And so, therefore, God has provided for you, provided an avenue by which you can do what? By which you can live a life according to his will. And we can throw that... We can throw the Ten Commandments at you, and there you are. This is getting a little silly. Excuse me for saying that. Okay, so we're moral free agents. Now, we're, we choose to cooperate with him. That's what we need to do. We choose to do that. And we do that because we know we need Jesus. We need Jesus, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. says this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You've heard that verse before. Come unto me. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. That's verse uh, 28. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I'm sovereign. I have control of everything. I have control of everything. Now let me give you just a military analogy really quickly as I look at the time. <clears throat> when I was in recruit training, and this goes for all of the services, well, most especially for the Marine Corps, but this goes for all of the services. When you're, when you're in boot camp, you have no control over anything. Who has control over everything but your drill instructor? And I know that because at one time I even became a drill instructor. So then I had the control. Oh, no, I don't want to go there. But I was under the control of another person. I ate when I was given permission to eat. I slept when I was given permission to sleep. I went to the bathroom when I had permission from the 
person, etc., etc., etc. Everything. My entire life was controlled by my drill instructor. All of it. To what purpose? That I would be willing to submit my will to the greater good, the greater will. And of course, in this case, it was being trained to be a United States Marine. And that's what I became. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And that's what God is asking. The God is, God is asking you like the drill instructor, only a loving drill instructor, uh, can't really, Staff Sergeant Walters, who was my senior, see, I know his name, I close my eyes and I can see him as he was some, how many years ago was this? Oh, never mind. But there you are. I, there was no love in that man. None. Zero. Anyway, you got the idea. That's that's the point we're trying to make here, that I am in control, saith the Lord. I am in control, saith the Lord. <clears throat> we need to pray. Psalm 57.2. 57.2 says this, I will cry unto the Most High, unto God that performeth all things for me. At one point in your life's history, you bowed your knee, metaphorically speaking, perhaps, and said, what a mess I've made in my life. Please, Lord, fix it. Or help me fix it. Or however you might have put it. But there it was. You were willing to come to him and agree that you were not in control, that he is in control. And unfortunately for us, that seems to be something that we have to do almost every day. So praying. Why is it so difficult to pray? Why is it so difficult for us to take time to have fellowship with him? Why is it so difficult for us when we know who's the control? Any Anything I wanted to know as far as the Marine Corps was concerned, I knew that I could go to my drill instructor and get an answer and get an accurate answer in regards to uh, to the Marine Corps. I knew that. I trusted that. And when he said it, I knew it was true. I didn't have to test it. I knew it was true. Why can't we do that? Why are we unable to do that? We need to pray. Uh, And we need to obey. Proverbs chapter 3, verses uh, 5 through 7. Let's do that. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. What's your own understanding? I'll do it my way. And even if it's, oh yeah, well, it's, it might, technically it's, it's violating a commandment, but Lord will understand. That's called situation ethics, by the way. Verse six, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise <coughs> unto yourself. Don't do it. Don't do it. Allow the Lord to help you and to guide you and to lead you. Obey. Obey. Your way or God's way? Your way or God's way? Rest in His sovereignty. Although the fig tree shall not bloom, etc., etc., etc. 
Verse 18 says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Hey, things aren't going so well. I'm not able to do this. I can't do the other thing. There's problems in our life, and we have some health situations going on now that Shirley has shared with you in regards to our grandson, and, and there's a couple of other things going on as well that I don't think we have mentioned. <clears throat> you have some things going on. God's in control. God's in control. And we celebrate, we celebrate that control. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. There's adversity. There's adversity. Psalm 91, uh, verse 1 through 4. Let's read the whole first. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Whoa! Did you just hear that? Did you hear what I just said? What I just read? I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Buckler is an offensive weapon. He shall be your strength. He shall be thy strength. Adversity's there. He shall be your strength. So you celebrate the sovereignty in all things, whatsoever things. And we'll end this with Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 reads this way, verses 28 to 32, nothing you haven't heard before. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are control, control, ah, called according to his purpose. How many times have we said, well, gee, I, should, I wish I'd have done this way back when. And when I think about some of the things, some of the choices I made way back then, had I not made that choice, instead of going to college, I went in the Marine Corps. I went in the Marine Corps, and what I ended up with, surely. And Philip, he's one of our sons. That's, had I gone to, straight to college, I mean, had God found me to Shirley in another way, well, of course, that's quite possible, but there was a pathway, and that pathway led me eventually uh, to Shirley, my family, and and my children. That's what we're talking about. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's called, that's the predestination we're talking about. But we are moral free agents. There are those that reject that predestination. You can do that. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, he called them, uh, justified them also be glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spareth not his own son, but delivered him up for us, 
all, how shall he not be with him also freely giving us all things? That's the sovereign God. That's the God of creation. That's all of it. Surrender. Surrender. We began with Habakkuk and we'll end the same way. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fall and the fields shall feed no meat. Flocks shall be cut off from the fold. There'll be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like the hind's feet. He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. As we sing praises to him, I pray my prayer is that as we do sing those praises, they are not just vain repetitions of words on a page. Let's pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you this day for reminding us once again of who exactly you are, who you are to each of us as individuals. And we ask now that you'll guide us and lead us in the steps that we take from now till forever. And for this we give thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Why not? Okay, that's Dan, 469. Revive us again.